Hello, and welcome to the Institute for Wellbeing in Law podcast series, The Path to Wellbeing in Law. I'm your co-host, Chris Newbold, Executive Vice President of Alps Malpractice Insurance. And as you know, our goal here is to introduce you to thought leaders doing incredible work in the space of lawyer well-being within the legal profession and in the process, build and nurture a national network of well-being advocates intent on creating a culture shift within our profession. Once again, I'm joined by my co-host, Bree Buchanan. Bree, how are you doing Hi. today? I'm doing great, Chris. Great to be here. Good. We're heading into the winter. I know our forecasted high tomorrow is supposed to be one degree. Okay. Uh, it's going to be <laughs> uh, quite cold to bundle up. I know that uh, one of our guests here is from the Chicagoland area. I'm presuming it's going to be cold there as well. So. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, good. Hey, today we're going to shift our conversation a bit to the issue of information sharing and education in the well-being space. And, and we have an exciting event coming up on the calendar. We're very excited to be joined by a couple of friends in the well-being space, David Jacobs of the Well-Being Work Alliance and, and Jeff Bunn, who uh, does similar work with the Alliance and also is known nationally as the Mindful Law Guy. I'm going to uh, pass it to, uh, to Bree to inter introduce our guests. Absolutely. Thanks, Chris. And so we have uh, the two organizers of the National Conference on Lawyer Wellbeing. So please, everybody, mark your calendars. Um, that is a co-production between the Wellbeing Work Alliance and the Institute for Wellbeing and Law. So we've got uh, the Institute here represented by me and Chris, and then the Wellbeing Work Alliance we have with us today, David Jacobs, and Jeff Bunn. They both have uh, been lawyers for a good long while, but one has been on the UK side and uh, Jeff is here in the United States. David uh, in, the, in the UK has been running the legal training consultancy. Um, Jeff in the Chicago area in the United States has run the Mindful Law Coaching and uh, they have come together to create the Wellbeing Work Alliance. And pretty recently, they uh, approached the Institute to see, let's, uh, let's collaborate on this and put on a show. And that's exactly what <laughs> we're going to do. Um, so, um, guys, I want to ask you, you have to sort of go through what we do with all of our guests. This is not hazing, but it is a tradition. And we ask our guests what it is that has brought you to the well-being movement um, in the legal profession. And we found there's almost always uh, an interesting story behind that. So um, let me just ask uh, David, what brought you to the space and what uh, drives your passion for this work? Well, it's actually quite a quite a sad story. So you might want to hang a, have a handkerchief or two close by. Um, <laughs> what 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 happened to me twelve years ago? In fact, twelve years ago last month, um, I contracted a bug which is necrotizing fasciitis, which is basically described by the media as a flesh-eating bug. It's not quite right, but it will do. Um, I entered what we call here A&E, which is accident and emergency at a local hospital. And I was basically let down by the medical people. Um, they didn't know what they were dealing with. Um, they didn't uh, follow up on recommendations from consultants. They didn't watch and analyze the blood tests. So from the morning I was left until midnight before they took me down 
to the operating theater to find that my the arm which had been giving me severe pain was a complete mess um so much so that um they couldn't save it um and over the, the next couple of days um, i was taken down several days several times to surgery and eventually um on that friday um they amputated my left arm up to the shoulder to save my life and at one time i, I was given a five percent chance of, of of pulling through and uh, my brother-in-law who was a consultant not at that hospital um uh, told the family to prepare for the worst but I but obviously I, I did pull through I was in hospital for nine weeks I was in an induced coma for uh, 10 days intensive care for 14 days and it became obvious as um, I became better that this was down to the clinical negligence of 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 of, of the doctors um I got through this without any um, psychological help and they told me that I would return to work within 14 months one month for every day in intensive care and I thought to myself no it's not that's not going to happen and I actually got back to work in about nine weeks after leaving hospital and I was treated I was working as a consultant in in, in the training field then and um, I was my return to work was celebrated like I was a, you know, a, a heroic soldier coming back from, from winning a battle. And I was treated, as I said, like a hero. And that was nice at the time. But I began to think that if this had been um, a mental problem, if I'd had a breakdown, then I was 100% convinced that... Um, my treatment would have been completely different. People would have questioned my ability to do the job and I'd probably I might have done as well. But one thing led to another and, and I got involved in hypnosis and mindfulness and meditation and, and things like that. And within some years, the law lawyers and not just that everybody in the city of London who was working in a high pressure job, it was a status thing, you know, they'd, they'd work for 24 hours nonstop. And then what happened is that somebody, a young person was working in, I think it was a bank, and they basically worked too long. And I don't know what the circumstances were, but they, but they died. Um, and it was at that sort of stage that the mentality seemed to change. Um, and I was fascinated in, in in this because when it had been a sort of macho thing, people became more 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 caring. And my interest in this whole area of well-being um, shot up because I, I I felt that there was um, a synergy here between um, doing something good and also um, something that was um, a commercial, uh, had commercial potential. So that's basically uh, what happened. That takes us up to the establishment of the Wellbeing Work Alliance. That's quite a story, David. <laughs> My story, guys, is, uh, is a lot less dramatic and perhaps a bit more serendipitous. Um, 
I practiced for uh, most of my professional life in the city of Chicago, Cook County, uh, where there are plenty of sharp elbows. Uh, and as I was uh, growing up as a, a, you know, kind of a, as a young lawyer, uh, it was very much, the attitude was very much, if, the, if it's too hot in the kitchen, then get out, just go do something. Uh, and this is a world that I um, grew up in and practiced in. Uh, it's just the way it was, or so I thought. Um, wine that take forward several decades. Uh, I was walking the dog, slipped on some ice, tore my meniscus. I used to be a, a, a big time runner. That's how I dealt with the stresses and anxieties of the practice. Um, and after I tore my meniscus, I got scoped. I couldn't run anymore. So as a kind of low impact, no impact alternative to running, I got into yoga, found a, a class uh, in the Chicago Board of Trade building. Um, and I started going there, they had classes at lunch. Uh, and through the course of yoga, you, I, I developed um, a new kind of awareness. Uh, and I took uh, note of not only my body, but also my mind. The guy who owned that studio, who was a former trader himself, um, turned me on to meditation and uh, you know, said, suggested to me that th this was something that I ought to pursue because I probably would enjoy it. And it took me a couple months, uh, but I went on retreat and you know what? He was right. Uh, so uh, for several years after that, I thought uh, initially, uh, even though these practices, yoga and uh, meditation, mindfulness, were helping me a lot. I thought it was just me. Uh, and then I came to uh, be of the mind that actually the men and women who practice in Cook County uh, could also benefit. Uh, and I found myself thinking uh, benefit by, I should say, uh, you know, a greater awareness of started off my focus was mindfulness and meditation that kind of grew into a larger uh, concern about just well-being. Um, and then through uh, the fantastic work of your predecessor organization, the National uh, Task Force for Lawyer Wellbeing, I came to learn a lot more. And I thought, you know what? I need to become, I've kind of done the law thing. Uh, I need to become more of an advocate uh, and share some of my insights and um my concerns with others. And that's what kind of got me into the well-being space. Excellent. Well, we, uh, first of all, appreciate all of your work and, and dedication. Uh, obviously, these stories are all unique and, and give us different pathways and perspectives into kind of why people find themselves looking for uh, how we can make for a, a, a better profession. I'd love to transition and hear from both of you about kind of what you're up to kind of right now. I know we'll talk about the conference in a, in a quick minute, but uh, David, you're associated with the, with the Wellbeing Work Alliance. What, 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 what in fact is that? And give us some perspective on, on what, uh, what the mission of that is and what you're trying to do. Yeah, sure. I mean, basically, um, we're involved in the delivery of, of, of education, information, training, and advice on, on well-being for lawyers. Um, and our, our work so far has primarily been in relation to the creation of two hugely successful conferences. I mean, 
there is no other way of describing it. I'm, I'm not sort of um, exaggerating. We held one national conference in the, in the UK um, two years ago, which was face to face. And then we ran um, another online one. And I think, in fact, the online one was, was, was better. There was some sort of feeling. And what the important thing about it, and I hope this will take place in the, the one that we're doing in the US, um, that people are sharing their stories, their, their backstories. And it was very, very moving to sit there and, and, and listen to people, watch them explaining about the problems that they've had in the past and how they'd overcome them. And that's a very, very uh, powerful message. In terms of what we're doing at the moment, um, we are in discussions with um, uh, a number of people with regard to in-house work. In other words, going into law firms and, and talking to them about, about how we can help them in their mission to um, achieve well-being for their, their members of staff and also to make the commercial case for well-being. And I think that's an important point to get over, that it's a win-win situation because it has a great effect on, on the bottom line, on, on profitability, on staff retention, on um, a whole load of uh, a whole load of things and we're also running um another conference in the uk the third um national conference in the uk and, and that's going to be on june uh, june the 17th um whether that'll be live or not i i suspect it won't um but um that isn't an issue and we'll run that um again as a four-day conference yeah and, and and jeff if we could just have you kind of provide us some perspective of where you're at. And, and I know that you've, you've been a, 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 a leader in the mindfulness space. And I know that you've done, a, you're doing a lot of now culture, uh, coaching and consulting. Uh, give us some perspective on kind of what, uh, what, what you're up to. Yeah, well, that's, uh, thanks for asking, Chris. Uh, that really has been my focus. What, what I had found myself uh, before I decided to, to stop practicing law, I found myself thinking a lot about uh, different things. Mindfulness and meditation were uh, inevitably parts of those things, but I never got to finish my thoughts. I was always interrupted by work. You know, you have to take care of clients. You have a brief you got to file. You have a call you have to make and prepare for, what have you, um, which is what got me uh, of a mind to start the Mindful Law Coaching and Consulting Group. And uh, the purpose of that organization is to help lawyers, uh, both small individual lawyers or firms, design uh, and implement uh, progr well-being programs as part of their business platform. Um, very just anecdotally, it's a, a little bit off topic, but the way I met uh, David was through uh, LinkedIn, which is my kind of social media medium of choice. And I saw his uh, an ad advert for the second annual con uh, conference, well-being conference that he referenced just a moment ago. And I thought, wow, we need to do something like that here. The, the National Task Force had done a tremendous job of kind of creating a little bit of momentum there 
uh, but I wanted to take it a little bit further. So that got me, I, I fired off a comment uh, along the lines of, gee, uh, we need to do something like what you're doing in the UK here in the US. And um, reached out to me, we talked a little bit, and, uh, and got to know each other, and uh, then decided, you know what, let's do this. We do need to uh, further the work that uh, the National Task Force had begun, try and create a broader uh, awareness, if you will, of, of well-being, and try to encourage as many people as you, or more people, uh, really, than, than you, your group already had. And that's kind of what got us going. Yeah, it really seems like it's sort of the, the right idea at the right time and building on past successes um, that, that y'all have had in the, in the um, previous conferences. So let's talk a little bit about the, the nitty gritty of the National Conference on Lawyer Wellbeing on April the 7th. Tell us who is your intended audience? Who should participate in this? David, you want to take a crack at that or shall I? Um, you have a go, I think. Well, I, for, for starters, it's, it's obviously going to be lawyers. I mean, that's what I know. The practice of law is what I've done my entire adult life. I think uh, the same is true of David. And the, the pressures of that profession, which are not unique necessarily uh, to the profession of law, but I, I think the, maybe the ways in which those pressures manifest themselves may be unique. But uh, having said that, that's the, the world that I know. It's a world that David knows. Um, the, the concept, the broader concept of well-being uh, fits so nicely into, I think, uh, the, the business view of what the practice of law is all about. Um, and you know, one of the things that had occurred to me that I think I mentioned to David a, a good long while ago is that it took the longest time, it was probably 10, 15 years for people to finally figure out that physical fitness uh, is important uh, and impacts their performance. Uh, it impacts them personally. It also impacts their performance, I think, professionally. Uh, so finally, it seems that most everyone understands the value of physical fitness. My concern, uh, particularly for lawyers, was what about mental or emotional fitness. That's part of the, the, the bigger picture as well. And the attention that we pay to physical fitness, well, it serves perhaps different goals uh, and manifests itself perhaps in different ways. It's really no different than uh, mental or emotional fitness. So I, I think bringing those two together, the physical and the mental part uh, is really important. Uh, so audience-wise, I got a little bit away from what you had asked, but audience-wise, my, my target really is lawyers, individual lawyers, and law firms, which are businesses that are obviously uh, comprised of individual lawyers. Right. And I know in conversations we've had, you're also doing some interesting thing with the pricing structure for registration. And so some things to encourage academics people in the law school and I think law students talk a little bit about that. Who are the other people you are encouraging to attend? David, you want to, you want to, again, I'll, I'll keep talking, man. Oh, okay. Gonna, no, uh, gonna, no, the other on. thing I was, the other thing I was going to mention is that um, if this is going to be anything like the profile of those who were attending 
the UK conferences, there'll be a split between lawyers, HR people and training people. And mm. um, in terms of the speakers that we've got, that replicates that sort of issue. Mm. Um, we've got we've we, we've got directors of well-being, director of coaching and well-being, people like that who are who are speaking, as well as the people who um, who are um, have 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 a more um, legal background. But certainly the um, out of the uh, four people who are speaking from the UK, one is a practicing barrister, a QC. One is an ex-employment lawyer who now runs a well-being consultancy. The other one is another um, ex-employment lawyer who is now full-time on the well-being front. So that's the sort of profile of, of, of the... Um, the speakers and I, as i was saying to begin with i i, I suspect that the, the split there will be a split between lawyers and hr people plus some training people as well well david let me just jump on that and, and speak to uh the concern that um i heard brie race which is we do care uh, a lot about law students. They are, after all, the future of the profession. We care a lot about law academics, the men and women who are teaching those law students and have an opportunity to perhaps uh, supplement some of the substantive legal uh, issues that they're teaching uh, with with uh, self-care issues. So one of the things that we were thinking of in terms of um, uh, this particular conference is um, if you will, it's almost kind of uh, subsidizing law students or law academics um, through subscriptions that may come from lawyers or law firms. And uh, one of the things that David, I, uh, I think, came up with the idea originally, which I think is marvelous, is let's support the uh the people that are not yet earning the same kind of salary the practicing lawyers are. Let's support the law academics. Let's support the students. Uh, let's give um, the law firms or lawyers an opportunity to um, subsidize or supplement uh, some of those men and women uh, so that they too can hear the wisdom of a lot of our speakers and hopefully uh, in their own way, in their own time, um, translate uh, the the notion of well-being, the importance of well-being, into the profession in the future. The the, the content that you could bring to a well-being conference is is vast, right? And and I'm yes. curious about how you've thought about structuring the conference in a way that can again play to multiple different audiences, but then kind of unify uh, all attendees around some some basic themes. So tell us about how you thought about the structure of the conference. Um, shall I go for it, David? One? Yeah, okay. Uh, <clears throat> well, our feeling it was that um, the morning should be focusing on the issues relating to individual um, people, um, and the afternoon should be focusing on um, the issues that can help specifically law firms um, deal with 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 the issues. Um, and we've got a range of, of, of things from understanding anxiety 
to the what and why of well-being for lawyers and why mental health matters for lawyers to the critical issues of things like putting it all into practice. I mean, I don't believe that well-being should ever be um, a, a ticking the boxes uh, thing. I think it should be done either with with a with a good heart and with the intention of making it work, or it shouldn't be done at all. Um, there's no half measures here. Um, and what we're trying to get, trying to do, is to cover the issues in the morning, as I said, for the um, individual lawyers, and in the afternoon, look at how we can solve the problems. And we're going to offer people the opportunity to go to the morning or the afternoon or to attend both. And as a thing will be recorded, um, plenty of people will be able to see it after the event. And certainly my experience in the UK is that this approach works. And out of the people that book, 75% um, will attend on the day and roughly 25% will listen to it afterwards. Because what with lockdown as, a, as, a, as an issue, people may not have the time to spend a whole day at a conference. So they may want to watch bits in the morning. They may come back, watch bits in the afternoon and watch all of the rest on a recorded basis. It gives people the maximum flexibility. Yeah, I really love how you can sort of customize it to your schedule, which is great. And I also really appreciate, I think of it sort of a progressive idea of the subsidizing law students and law professors so that they can attend. I haven't seen that before. So that's that's really great. So guys, how if somebody wants to register or find out more about this, what should they do? Where can they go? Well, at the moment um, on um, the website, there's, there's a waiting list, um, <clears throat> which some people have joined. Um, and over the next week, we will be rolling out um, the final version of this. So people will be able to book directly from um, that, that, that website. Um, and um, that should be within, well, that will be within the next week. Yeah, and that will probably be well, you know, so active registration will be open by the time that this podcast uh, ultimately posts, right? So it's fair to say that by late February, registration will be open. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, before that, it'll be, it'll yep. be, it'll, I mean, the, the target day is um, next Tuesday. And I don't see any reason why we, we shouldn't comply with that. Okay. What, what other things would you uh, do you want to relay to our listeners about the, the, the conference, the themes, the speakers, you know, any, any other things that uh, you think are important for listeners to appreciate as they, uh, as they decide whether that, you know, this is a, and certainly I'll play an active role, I think, in the, in the conference. I know Bree's planning. Uh, there's, there'll be a keynote, I think, in between the two modules, and, and we're excited for that. So any other things that you'd like to relay to listeners about, uh, about the upcoming conference? Well, I'd like to just uh, jump on one thing, reinforce, I guess is probably a better word, uh, way of putting it. One thing that David mentioned, I think the idea behind, as I conceive a conference, is to elevate the conversation uh, or the awareness surrounding well-being uh, to a point where well-being or a well-being program is not just something that's nice to have. It's something that you need to have. 
um, you being the law firms, and which kind of gets to uh, uh, the question, I think, Chris, that, that you had posed before. The audience uh, is vast, of course. And I know that the National Task Force did a tremendous job in its report of divvying up um, its broader message into uh, the various stakeholder groups. Uh, it's a lot that was accomplished in the report. It's probably more, uh, our, I think the determination was, it's more than one uh, conference can or ought to even attempt to address. So there are certain groups such as say judges or bar associations or law schools or what have you. There are a number of different stakeholder groups that um, would probably implement well-being in a slightly different way or for a slightly different purpose. That said, um, the breadth of uh, those groups uh, and the, the um, ability to address the, their, the kind of interest in the issues or the methodologies uh, or the metrics uh, is, is so diverse that it's, I think the determination was, let's keep it uh, relatively limited in scope uh, and hopefully, if uh, the work of um, the Institute continues and the issue continues to take root in the profession, there will be other opportunities in the future. Uh, and perhaps those other stakeholder groups can be addressed then. But uh, the, the, the goal is, is, I'm sure is true for the Institute as well, is to make the idea of well-being a, a, a pillar uh, of the foundation, not just something that's nice to have, it's something that we really need to address. Well, good. Well, first of all, you know, thank you for your work. I mean, I know that uh, the Institute for Wellbeing and Law, one of our uh, missions is to continue to be active on the education front, but we, we, we it's a big tent, as we've said, and, and we need folks like, like you, David, and, and, and you, Jeff, uh, to be leaders in, in developing content. And content is so important, particularly given the pandemic and you know, content is king right now. And, and so our, your ability to bring uh, valued content to the well-being community uh, is both appreciated and, and we're very much excited uh, to be working with you on this, on this particular project. Yeah. Absolutely, and we're looking forward to being a part of it too. <laughs> yeah, be great. yes, yeah. Thank you. Both, both Bree and Chris, by the way, will be prominent parts of the program. So thanks to both of you. Yeah, well, absolutely. And I think I, I think it's safe to say, Bree, that uh, that register uh, will also have links on uh, on the lawyerwellbeing.net webpage uh, for absolutely. the conference. So that's that will be a, also a very fast way for our listeners to be able to access. Uh, registration information uh, for the conference. And I did want to take a quick uh, quick additional plug for uh, coming up in early May. Uh, Wellbeing Week in Law is fast approaching, May 3rd to the 7th, and another yes. great education-based week uh, led by uh, important folks in the well-being space and Bradford and, and, and others. And, uh, and we're excited that that, so we've we got a couple of big events coming up in the well-being space, both with this April 7th conference and, and well-being week in law in early May. Uh, Bree, any closing thoughts? No, it's an exciting time to be doing this work. Excellent. Well, again, 
Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you, David. Thank you, Jeff. And uh, we, we, again, thank you for your leadership in, in developing the conference and, and consider us a friend and, and an active promoter as we continue to move forward. Yay. Thanks very much. <laughs> That's great. Thank you, guys. All right. Thank you. Thanks.